Hi, this is Dan Rao, founder and brand strategist at DSR Branding, and you're listening to Discover Someone Remarkable, conversations worth sharing. Join me as I interview passionate founders and industry experts, people who think differently, challenge the status quo, and are building a legacy. People who I consider truly remarkable. Today's episode, I interview Frankie Ratford, a full-time adventurer obsessed with design, travel, and business. Frankie is the founder of The Design Kids, an organization that bridges the gap between studying and working in graphic design. It's a global community of over a quarter of a million graphic designers, running almost 500 events a year. Frankie also coaches design studios around the world on their market positioning. In this episode, we discuss Frankie's recent venture, The Designers Bootcamp, a program that takes 20 designers to exotic locations to workshop their career goals over eight days. Frankie shares how she's been forced to pivot this program to work during a pandemic. We discuss Frankie's journey to 73 cities across the globe, growing the design kits, what inspires her and how to work through creative blocks, and how she's designed her life around the things that excite her. Frankie is an inspiring role model and mentor for thousands of designers looking to find their voice in the industry. I had heaps of fun chatting with Frankie, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Just a warning, this episode features some colorful language. So thanks very much for coming on the show, Frankie. Thanks for having me, Dan. We always kick these things off with a simple icebreaker of what's your favorite brand and why? such a hard question. I was thinking about this and um, I feel like there's lots of obvious brands, but I'm going to go with a really weird one. So there's a Swedish clothing company called Monkey yep. that I discovered about 10 years ago. Have you heard of them? It's like M-O-N-K-I and they're just super fun and they have, it's way more than like a fashion business. It feels like a community and a brand that you can really be part of. It's very inclusive their stores are like really well designed. There's like kind of this fun energy. Just everything just feels like it's done really, really well. I can't even put my finger on it. It just feels quite magical. And um, yeah, I love that company. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, just looking, I'm just looking at their store. It looks uh, very bright and um, vibrant. And they've got like but ra- it's more than that. Like, like the, the models and- they have are like they have normal people models. Um, yeah. They have like a monkey club, which is like like the membership model, but it's like super fun. It actually feels very genuine and very like, yeah, I guess inclusive. And I think a lot of fashion companies like aim to do that, but they don't do it very well. You yeah. just see like business, whereas this you see community first and then that's business. Cool. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they started in Sweden and then have they, I'm looking here. At I should like have done my research. Up. Oh, that's all right. It looks like they've got a store <laughs> I'm in, pretty in sure Birmingham. they're Swedish. They're kind of dotted around Europe. So Scandinavian countries, there's a couple in England, I think. I think that's about it. But um, yeah, I always make an effort to go if I'm in one of those cities because I just, I love the vibe. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of what Urban Outfitters like try to do. Yeah, but to me that feels like commercializing. No, that's what I mean. Cool like things. this, this, this kind yeah, of looks like a more just authentic miss the version. Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell they love making their clothes. Like it feels very genuine. And yeah, so that's my answer. It's a very weird answer to kick things off. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I like that it's different. Um, so, Frankie, like looking back in the last twelve months, can you either share one of the biggest highlights or one of the greatest challenges? Oh, I would say this little disease you may or may not have heard of called COVID-19. No, <laughs> That's pretty challenging. <laughs> yeah. So I know Brisbane's kind of cut off, but um, <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I think, so I run a company called The Design Kids, which has been going for 11 years. And um, last year I created a spin-off business called Designers Bootcamp, where we take 20 designers to an exotic location and basically brainstorm their career for a whole week and it's super fun uh, so we did four last year and we were planning on eight this year unfortunately we were halfway through the first one when covid kicked in so i was actually stuck in india <laughs> oh, um, wow. and we had to cancel all so we had eight events we canceled seven of them and that was really crazy to come home to because we just didn't really know what the situation was and at that point it was like oh it's going to be two weeks and everything will be normal so we swapped japan to sydney while I was in India. So we like cancelled one trip, rebuilt another trip, got back and we're like, okay, we can't even do Sydney. Let's just cancel like the May events and then kick back off in June, thinking again, everything was going to be fine. But 
obviously it's not. So a few days after that, we cancelled everything and then I rebuilt it. I think I got home. So the boot camp finished at nine o'clock on Sunday and then I left 9.30. So half an hour later, I got a tr- like a bus across India, a yeah. train. I was in Kuala Lumpur for like 17 hours. Like it was uh, just a nightmare. Yeah. Got home, took two days to get home. Jet like this fuck. I'm like, oh my god, everyone's cancelling. What do I do? Blah, blah, blah. So spoke to a very clever friend of mine. He said, you need to rebuild your business so it works online for the next year. Yeah. And that was quite shocking to me because, yeah, like I said before, I thought it was just going to be two or three weeks. But I did. So I spent probably the rest of that day for four hours <laughs> rebuilding the business to be online. Launched it. Then we promoted it for two days. I did interviews for two days and we did the next event that next day. So it was wow. a four-day turnaround. Yeah. That's amazing. It was crazy because we'd actually paid for 80 people to go on holiday. Like we yeah. don't cover flights, but we pay for everything else. So accommodation, food, co-working, photographer, space, teaching, everything. And then when you give all your uh, discounts, we were like massively negative. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which I'm not used to. I'm such a – I'm really like conservative with money. I don't buy things unless I can afford them. I've never had a credit card and I'm 36. And so that was a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, It was a real big shock to kind of have a business that suddenly the bottom fell out of and was like, oh, my God. But um, I think as designers, we're designed to face challenges, and I love a challenge. (laughs) I was secretly quite excited. So, yeah, I've done two events so far. We've got another two coming up in June, and then we'll reassess what October, November looks like. And what type of designers come to these boot camps or like what ages and things like that? So design kids, like industry-wise, is predominantly graphic design, but then like advertising feeds into that, illustration feeds into that, typography feeds into that, and animation feeds into that, but I'd say broad category graphic design. And then within graphic design, we have probably 10% students that are freaking out about graduating and really want to get a head start. And that's actually amazing for me because I get them really early and you can really make a difference. We had a guy come to Sri Lanka last year who was in his second year no idea what he was going to do when he finished and now he has won all these awards he got flown to vegas to give a talk uh, for aiga in america he has been offered like internships and he's just absolutely killing it and he still hasn't graduated so like the difference that one week made to his career is like so big so it's really exciting getting students then we get graduates that are feeling a bit lost and haven't had the support when they graduated to get a job and they don't really understand where they fit in the industry And then we have people that have been working in this industry and have just taken opportunities as they've come and they haven't been like deliberate choices and they've kind of ended up a few years in feeling a bit lost and a bit like they're on the wrong path so they need a reset. And then we have freelancers that are looking for new clients, new direction, how to position themselves. So yeah, I'd say my skill is basically making people look good on the internet that's a great (laughs) skill which is a good skill it's actually really needed (laughs) yeah absolutely and you mentioned Sri Lanka was one of the locations it's pretty cool like what other locations do you do these boot camps at or where are you doing these boot camps at and you know (laughs) hopefully moving forward yeah hopefully moving forward we'll get to do those again but um yeah so last year we did Sri Lanka Bali Portugal and Byron Bay and then this year we were doing India which we just snuck through and then the next one, I was meant to be in Japan last week. And then I was meant to be going to Hawaii next week. Oh, no. <laughs> so sad. And then Mexico City. So we were running the event with Futura and Anagramma in Mexico City. Yep. And then the second half of the year wasn't booked but was penciled in. So we were going to do a Greek island, Tulum, Barcelona, and Costa Rica. This just, yeah, this, I mean, like, it's very, very <laughs> These conveniently located. How, how much design? Oh, I just basically. <laughs> do you just, you just go to the places that you've wanted to go to for years? And oh, my take, God. And take, yes. take, 20 to 30, take 20 designers with you. That sounds amazing. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I designed my business around me. Like, I, it was funny because we had a list of about 20 destinations for this year. And um, everyone loves travel and they want to talk about it so what I would do is read the list off my notes on my phone to whoever I was talking to and they'd be like oh <laughs> on like certain ones and I'd put little x's next to them oh, if they were good. like visibly excited so yeah. Japan Hawaii Costa Rica I think got the most Japan yeah. like killed it wow. yeah we sold out Japan in like two weeks I think 
That's crazy. And and the thing is, people don't just jump on the site and buy a ticket. Like they they apply to come. So we've had maybe seven hundred people now apply. Wow. And we only take twenty on each trip. So, so it's, it's like fully curated. Oh, totally. And this it's really hard for me to like actually reject people because our whole messaging is like, if you're feeling stuck, let me help you. Yeah. So then to turn around and say, I can't <laughs> help you is like <laughs> it's really mean. And it took like I think I spent about eight hours writing the rejection letter. Like yeah, honestly, be, it really was really, heartbreaking yeah. because if you're feeling really lost and you have the courage to reach out for help and then that person says no, like that's a really hard pill to swallow. And so yeah. I tried to like summarize why we were turning people down. And actually there were really good reasons why. And it was like there wasn't enough graphic design in the folio to understand who they were as a designer. So you just need to do more work. Some of the folios weren't actually graphic design related. So they were like art projects or painting or architecture, photographers. And then the third reason was they wanted to learn like Illustrator or like tell me more about this program or da da da. And I was like, I'm not actually teaching design. I'm teaching designers how to position themselves. And it's so niche. Like I can't actually help you if you're a photographer because all we're going to talk about is graphic designers. So the rejection letter was kind of like, you haven't been successful, but we don't want to waste your time or money. Like I want a hundred percent successful feedback. Like I want every single one of my boot campers to absolutely rave about it and get their value from it. I don't want people to come for the sake of it. I don't get any joy out of that. So it was a real like it's not you, it's me kind of vibe. <laughs> um, it's just like we just don't want to waste your time. And like here's some um, resources if you want to learn more about design. Here's some competitions if you need to do more design. Feel free to apply again. Like it's it's a definitely not like a slam in the face. It's like, a, yeah, it's more of a we want to help you as well. So, yeah, no, it's been really good. And what it means is the quality is really high and everyone that's there is on the same page. And it means that you haven't spent, I think it's around two grand, which is pretty cheap for eight days of coaching. I think that's so cheap. But, um, you know, our audience, like we basically just cover all the costs and then pay myself to go there, the photographer to come and document it and take headshots, Lily to book everything and Lauren to do all the interviews. So we just try and keep that price as like affordable as possible because again that's our audience like we're a community we support each other so it's less of like this business where we are um, making massive percentages of everyone and more like a life experience like I want to do it and as a business I need to cover my costs but apart from that it's not there's not much which is why when we paid for 80 people to go on holiday and only 20 went on holiday (laughs) there was a massive problem because we had to refund all those people but we didn't get refunds so um yeah those numbers yeah the numbers were pretty bad i was like oh we've got some x amount in the in the bank account and we owe x amount and that's quite a bit more and then i realized the money we owed was in us dollars oh no And the money in my account was in Australian dollars. Oh, no. So that was a double hit. I was like, oh, wow, this is really bad. Yeah. That <laughs> US dollar is a killer. Like, oh, it really is. When you're <laughs> earning, it's good. When you're refunding, it's not so yeah. good. <laughs> but um, I think for me, like, it's really satisfying running this business because I really see it as me helping people. And, like, I get so much joy out of running these camps it's like it's so great for me but also like during isolation mental health is like so bad people are freaking out if you already can't get a job and then you're spending hours on the internet like looking at everyone's perfect lives you're going to feel <laughs> 10 times worse it's so bad and so the boot campers that have been doing the bedroom boot camp have just been really grateful to wake up every day have class have each other have a whatsapp group to reach out to each other it's just been like that's been really really powerful and the guys that finished on friday they've actually been continuing the class this week without me and they're all running their own little classes oh, it's that's so, so cool. cute one of the guys from um, Barcelona is running a type class yesterday. Another girl is teaching everyone how to skateboard today. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so cute. And then on Monday, they were doing something else and they've got another class today and they've all been messaging me and they're just like super stoked to have each other. It's really cute. So, But the other like pro side of this is like they keep me sane. Like I like being able to get out of bed and have a reason for, you know, having a shower and stuff. So... It's been just as good for me as it has for them. So, yeah, Designers Bootcamp, biggest challenge, 
yet. <laughs> but just such an amazing sort of pivot or the ability to sort of quickly adapt it and um, you know change the course and create something that can still function and work really well today and still build that community. Because I guess that's something that the Design Kids is, is really well known for is that global community of designers. Could you give me a bit of a background on how you started it and um, or I guess why you started it and how you actually grew it? Sure. So I graduated uni. I had three and a half years experience when I finished design school in a four-year degree and and just because I was like a total nerd and I just put my hand up for any opportunity. Also, I'd moved from England to Australia, so I didn't have any friends. (laughs) So I just had loads of time and I wanted to smash it. So I just put my hand up for every design opportunity and, um, and I hated all those jobs, but they were like really good learning lessons of like what I wanted it to do and what I didn't want to do. And I decided I didn't want to do any of those. But I really wanted a job at Frost in Sydney and I was in Melbourne. And when I graduated, I got a job there and I thought, you know, this is going to be it. And I just, I really didn't like it. And that's like nothing to criticize Vince at all. Like I spoke to him a few days ago. I have so much respect for him. I think he's fantastic. But for me, like sitting, being a junior and then a midway and sitting at a desk and looking at a screen and having a boss, like now when I look at my life, I can understand why it didn't work. But at the time, I didn't understand why I didn't like it. It was very jarring to me. So yeah, so I quit, went traveling for six months and decided I wanted to help people. And I came back and started this thing called the Design Kids. And it was going to be called um, Aesthetically Minded People (laughs) (laughs) or the Design Kids. Luckily, I went with the Design Kids. I literally came up with the name in an hour and I came up with the logo in an hour. And it hasn't really changed in 11 years. Look, TDK is a lot better than AMP. (laughs) I know. I know. That's what I look at, the initial. Yeah. (laughs) I I think you made the right decision there. I totally did. Well, I started, I was looking at loads of like books and businesses. And when I looked at like directories of companies, if the word design or typography or you know something graphic design related was in the title, I would automatically look them up. And so I wanted that word in there. And then the whole premise was to help students graduate into the industry because I felt like there was a big hole in the industry and I wanted to help that. So kids is like young adults. And, you know, I started teaching after that and we'd be like, what are we telling the kids today? And (laughs) I still kind of stand by it. I do get a lot of stick about the name, to be honest, especially in America. Like kids is not that popular. But like when I started it, it was like literally in Sydney in my like yard, we had a garage sale party shop thing that was very weird and like I wasn't thinking like how does this translate in Estonian like I really (laughs) like had no concept of like where it could go I just kind of and I think that's what happens with business like you're so focused on starting like where does it go it's just such a journey it's amazing so so yeah luckily the the names become really good and like when we tweet things we can say hey Sydney kids And it's very like inclusive of our community and it's a really nice kind of like bubble that we live in. So yeah. Can you take me through a bit of the journey of the design kits? The beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was traveling, I went to Madagascar, had this epiphany, decided I wanted to help people, decided that I still wanted to work in design, even though at that point I thought I hated it. And I started looking at ways I could help the industry rather than work in the industry. How could I help the industry? And yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of money pumped into universities and getting people to sign up for like to be a designer, but there's not much support the other end for getting a job. And um, I think that's really sad. And you get a lot of people that are fantastic designers that have just given up because like no one helped them at the crucial time. And that honestly breaks my heart. Like I really think everyone is on this planet to do, like they've got their own strengths and to find that strength, nurture it and then give up on it just because you didn't have the support you needed is really, really sad. So, so yeah, so that was the premise. Originally it started as a shop, which sounds kind of weird, but um, <laughs> students could design like tote bags and posters And we would sell them to famous designers or studios, whatever. And then they would like look into the designer that made it and then maybe hire them. And it was just very like far-fetched and I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) But like, bless me for trying. So the shop actually ran for, I don't know, three years. Yeah, wow. Which is crazy, like online. Yeah. And I remember sending out these hideous newsletters. And, (laughs) you know, I used to, I tried these things and it was like, Say you're making a t-shirt, it was like, you make the t-shirt, 
I'll promote it, you send it off. And then it was like, you make the t-shirt, then you send it to me, and then I'll promote it and I'll mail it off. And then it was like, you design it and I'll make it and mail it off. And I tried all these different combinations and all of them sucked. It was a nightmare, (laughs) especially when you're working with students because they'd like go on holiday and people would buy their stuff and then like they just wouldn't send anything. I'm trying to help you people. (laughs) I know, like for God's sake, this was pre-Society 6. So like these kind of shops didn't really exist, but I just literally had no idea what I was doing. It was a nightmare. But I remember sending this one newsletter and we made made like $500 um, in sales like within an hour. And I was like, why are people buying this? It's so badly (laughs) made. And like, no, I was getting like Gilson t-shirts, you know, those like dad t-shirts that kind of, ironically cool now but like not cool and then like printing these like designs on them and they were like this design was way too small for the t-shirt like it just looks so shit (laughs) and um like I think it got featured in like Grazia magazine one of my t-shirts oh wow what the fuck and they were like can we feature it I was like no (laughs) I knew it wasn't good but I think you have to push through that yeah to get to the good bit so yeah so that happened and then I got offered an exhibition space in Sydney. I was working four jobs while I was running Design Kids the first two years. Wow. So basically I decided to get jobs to teach me how to do my own job. <laughs> so I was working at Finders Keepers Markets. I was their first employee. Oh, cool. So I was yeah. in charge of like the online blog, running the events, logistics, networking, community, all that kind of stuff. So I learned like so much of what I do now from Brooke and Sarah. So thank you. And I was working as a senior designer in a design studio one day a week. And that was basically just problem solving. Like the projects would come in. I'm high energy and I don't really care about the end of the project, like <laughs> the execution and rolling it out. It's like very yeah. boring. I just want to do the beginning. So Emma, bless her heart from the Elk Group, would get me to do eight hours, just like, bleh, here's some ideas, here's some scribbles, here's some reference images, like this is what I think you can do with it. And then the junior would roll it out and I would come in the following week and I'd have a new project every Tuesday <laughs> to kind of brain dump. And it worked brilliantly because uh, – Yeah, I just got to do the bit I was really good at. And I really learned a lot from Emma because I think Emma's great at designing the job around the person and really getting the strengths of that person. Yeah. So it was good. And then I started lecturing Billy Blue and Shillington. So I did one Wednesday and Thursday afternoon, one Wednesday and Thursday night. And I had Frankie Fridays, so I don't work Fridays. And then I was <laughs> running Design Kids, and it was just, it was really good because I get really bored. And I, having five jobs actually was like kind of great. And I was earning crazy good money. I don't think I've ever been so rich in my life. <laughs> and uh, life was like too good. Anyway, so I decided to retire. I was 27. <laughs> and um, <laughs> true story, and moved to Byron Bay. So yeah, I'm like, I'm done. No, I think at that point, I was like, I no longer work for money. Like, if you offered me a job, Dan, and you were like, I will pay you a million dollars to do this job, and I didn't want to do it, like, I didn't want to give you my time for that project, I would turn it down. And if you offered me another job that I did want to spend my time on, that was completely zero dollars, I would take it. Yeah. So I don't make any decisions based on money from That's the cool. age 27 onwards. Yeah, so good. Obviously, I like being paid. That's a real bonus. <laughs> but um, it's not my primary decision making. Yeah. So I got offered a exhibition space. I just said yes. And I was like, what the hell am I going to exhibit? Like, what the, what was I thinking? And I started thinking about design kids and what I was trying to do. And the whole point was to bring a student and a studio together. And so I got them to collaborate. And they created a piece of artwork that responded to a compound word like aftermath, lighthouse, pineapple, and they did half each. And so they basically, because designers like collaborating, but they don't like compromising. So it's one (laughs) piece of wood that's like A1 cut diagonally in half and they got half each and then we joined them back together. And I think we made like eight grand for charity. It was awesome. And then uh, in the lead up to the exhibition, I... It was just a one-off. Basically, it was a friend of mine that had the exhibition space. Someone cancelled. He was like, do you want it? I always say yes. It just kind of like accidentally happened. But in the lead up to it, I didn't have any press because like 
<laughs> uh, no one knew what I was doing. Yeah. But I was still working at Finance Keepers interviewing people and they had a really big readership. And so I decided to interview myself. And so <laughs> I was like, Frankie, <laughs> tell us about your exhibition. And I was like, wow, it's going to be amazing. And so I said, I'm going to run it in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. It's going to be huge, blah, blah, blah. And I think like, I'm not a liar. I'm very honest, but I like to, in that instance, I wanted to throw things out there to see who would pick it up. So like, yeah. no one's going to call you in five years and be like where was this exhibition you never did it like no one cares and so I was like let's just see if I can run one in Brisbane and Melbourne and just see what happens and um yeah Brendan McKnight was the editor of desktop magazine at the time he picked it up and he's like yeah we'll help you run the other two exhibitions and I think if he hadn't come in at that point like it would have just ended there but yeah those three exhibitions for Terrible twos turned into five the following year for threesome. So that was a student graduate in a studio. That's Still cool. artwork, unfortunately, not an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the following year, we did four play, which was also still just an art exhibition, I promise. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, sensing so a common one... trend with some of these. <laughs> yes, Dan, numbers is the common <laughs> trend. So Terrible Twos was our second birthday, and then threesome was third, and four play was fourth. And we did it in eight cities the fourth year around Australia. At the same time, I was in Byron. I was teaching in Brisbane. So I was driving three hours once a week. I worked out when I moved to Byron, I was like, okay, I still need to eat. So I need some kind of job, like just one or two days a week. So I worked a day and a half in Brisbane and then I had a five-day weekend. It was awesome. That's cool. So I used to go up there and then stay in a hostel and then um, come back the next day. And I was done for the week. <laughs> it was so good. I was working 12 hours a week. And I only worked 36 days a year I worked out as well. <laughs> so I really was retired. <laughs> that is good. Um, That's anyway, really designing your life around. Where- yeah. Totally. So I was living in a warehouse. I lived upstairs. I had a co-working space downstairs. I had a shop, gallery, parties. It was epic. Like so cool. I was surfing all the time. I had loads of friends. It was just like good times. And um, after two years of that, I was like, yeah, I'm bored again. And so I thought, what's the, like, how do I grow? I hate this like comfortable zone where you're just like cruising along. So I started thinking, what was the opposite of having loads of space? I had a hundred square meter warehouse. I was having no space. So I bought a van in 1983 for the high called Maya. She had round lights. She was so beautiful. I love her. And decided that I was going to drive around Australia and I was going to build design kids in person by talking at unis, interviewing creative directors, going to events, running exhibitions, just basically putting it all together. And so, yeah, it was like the week before I was leaving. I hadn't been teaching for, it was February, so it was the end of the summer holidays. And um, I hadn't been teaching for like four or five months. So all my savings was like down to nothing. I got a sponsor for like 10 grand. I got rid of the warehouse, sold everything, bought the van, put graphics on the side, was ready to leave. And then the sponsor pulled out and I was like, oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> and I remember like on the phone, they were like, you have other sponsors, right? They were giving me 10 grand. And I was like, I'm so rich, but like, you know, that's not even going to cover the petrol. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'll never work again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were like, you have other sponsors, right? And I was like, totally. And like hung up the phone. I was like, oh God, I don't have any other sponsors. But I like, again, I have this real thrill. It was like, covid like a month ago it's like this real thrill of like oh my god i've got to design my way out of this this is great and so i started looking what i did have so i had a van i had 64 dollars <laughs> i had a map of australia where i was going to drive around australia and i had a really well paid job in brisbane and i was like well i could just fly to work and actually fund the whole thing myself and so i did it for a year i flew to brisbane every wednesday morning And I taught for two days and then I flew back and then I kept driving and I drove from the sunny coast all the way to Perth around the coast and back again and basically just met all the designers I could in Australia. And um, yeah, it was awesome. And then when I got back, I got offered a real job and at Frankie Magazine, uh, being their creative director, which was such an honor and Smith Journal, but um, I had to give up design kids I mean I didn't have to they didn't say that but I had to like I had to mentally focus on one yeah and design kids was four years old I was flying to work to make it work 
<laughs> to make any money. Yeah. Uh, so, aka, not a business. <laughs> but And then I was like, I need to get a job. And then I'd been offered a really good job. But the problem was it was too good and I couldn't still do my other business. And I just, I honestly didn't know what to do. And I make decisions really quickly. Like I could make a decision to move countries in like seven minutes and have the whole (laughs) thing mapped out and be packed and on my way to the airport. I'm not even joking. Like I would, yeah, I'm like very mobile, can we say. (laughs) And this decision took me three weeks, which is the equivalent of like 60 years. And I was tearing my hair out. I was like, oh, I just don't know what to do. And in the end, I just imagined my life a year in advance if I took it. And I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to sit at a desk. Like, this is not what I was doing. I'm taking this job out of fear. And so I turned it down. And um, yeah, a few weeks later, I got a load of sponsorship money, uh, which was amazing. And then I was like, let's see if this works around the rest of the world. So we went to New Zealand to trial it. Um, I hired my friend Eve. We couldn't get a van in time. Everyone in America is like, why don't you just take your van from Australia? I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that yeah, close, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just over that bridge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, we couldn't get a van. And I said to Eve, like, maybe we can just borrow someone's car. And she was like, uh. And it was like the night before. And I said, you know, worst case scenario, we'll just like hitchhike and sleep in bushes. And she was like, I I like that idea. And I was like, me too. And so I started thinking about hitchhiking. And the worst thing about hitchhiking isn't being murdered. It's the hideous typography on the signs where people run out of space and the kerning's like fucked. (laughs) Uh, New Zealand, I'm from New Zealand, but it's got some pretty like challenging spelling on some of the locations. (laughs) Oh my Um, God, I actually spelt one of them wrong and we didn't get picked up all day. Yeah. It was fucked. Anyway, so we had 10,000 Instagram followers at the time and we decided to run a competition and we'd get them to design our hitchhiking signs. That's cool. And yeah, we had like 500 people designing our way around New Zealand. It was awesome. That's so cool. So that worked. So then we went to America for two years and that was really challenging. I bought a 1974 Dodge RV. It slept seven people. It was ridiculous. I got Will Bryant, my favorite illustrator, to paint it for me. And I paid him in tacos because I didn't have any money. (laughs) And then the van broke down like every day for 66 days. And I just lived at mechanics' houses with their wives. And like, (laughs) I've had three messages this week from them checking if I'm okay. Yeah, like this is like real bonding. What was that van called? Sunny. It was yellow. <laughs> I love that you asked me that, Dad. Well, you must I, name I, your cars. Yeah. It's very important. <laughs> I'm currently sitting in Mags, if you're interested. That sounds weird. <laughs> I'm in my van. Max but is yeah, a van. Sunny. No, Mags. Yeah, Mags oh, is Mags. very much a vehicle. <laughs> Just for all you sickos. Um, so, yeah. So, then America was... I pre- pretty much drove halfway... So I went basically around the circumference of America for 18 months and Canada. And then I went to Europe and did the same thing. And then the sixth year of the road trip, I flew because it was impossible. So I went to Central and South America, Africa, Middle East and Asia. And then I finished. (laughs) (laughs) And I was fucking done by the end of it, let me tell you. Because I was spending like anywhere between five days and five months in each city so I went to 73 cities wow 33 countries and when you're on the five day version oh my god you just literally imagine you rocking up in Estonia right now you're so tired delirious you've got a million emails and then you're like right I have to meet everyone in the design industry in the next five days go yeah (laughs) it's like it's pretty intense so by the time I got to Singapore which was the last city I was sleeping in a hostel and it had a curtain, my hostel bed. I'm so grateful oh for that fucking curtain. <laughs> and I had a massive bookshelf. And I basically lay in bed reading. I read maybe eight books that week. Wow. And my alarm would go off for a meeting because I was meeting five studios, two schools, two workshops every week. My alarm would go off. I'd Uber there, give the talk, Uber back, get back into bed. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, all I did in Singapore was meetings and lying in bed. Like I didn't, I was so done. Like I was like, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to eat anything. I don't want to go out for dinner. Like, please go away. <laughs> like, I've got nothing left. The other people in your hostel must have thought you were so weird. <laughs> is this no, Australian? that's what most people do in hotels, oh, really? <laughs> in hostels, sorry. People are just on their phones now. I mean, I traveled, I started traveling like 2002. 
So, like, you know, when you used to sit with people and talk to them and, like, it was great. And now it's, like, silence. You can be in a hostel and everyone's on their phone. And it's like, why are you here? Like, (laughs) you could be at home. It would be way cheaper. So, yeah, that was the road trip. Anyway, so, yeah, that was how I built Design Kids. So, it went from a a shop at the front of your house in Sydney to, like, a global community with close to half a million. to a shitty... <laughs> shitty blog. <laughs> shitty blog. Sorry, sorry. Shitty yeah, blog. To a few steps. To a <laughs> shitty road but, trip. But today, to a I mean, hitchhiking adventure. <laughs> like over half a million in the community across like Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Is that right? It's actually a quarter of a million. But oh, I really? To say. Oh, <laughs> I round up. <laughs> I love that. Isn't yeah. it six million? <laughs> six million. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I have, I have a lot to thank you for in terms of like most of the designers that we've worked with in the past have come through the Brisbane Design Group pages or, or sites. So, yeah, I mean, it's clearly a great community of, um, of talented young people. That's awesome. Thank you, yeah. Dan. <laughs> that's that's right. my day. All my road tripping was worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Dan could employ some good people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have just called me and saved me six years for you. <laughs> It really has been a journey. And I think just reflecting on that, it's, it's very weird being back in Australia because now people are like, wow, Design Kids is so great. And like, they kind of like weirdly fangirl me. And I'm like, what? Like, I've been sleeping in like broken vans with no showers, like hostels, like just, it has not been a glamorous ride. But I think also just not being in Australia, it's, it's like you're removed from that reality. So, like, so much changed in six years, and I couldn't see it because it was just me in another shit hostel in another shitty van, like, (laughs) just like, oh, my God, is anyone even looking at this website? Like, ah! (laughs) And then you get home, and you're like, wow, people are actually looking at it, and it actually does help people, and it was quite a shock, actually, to come home to that. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey. So how now do you do you get and stay inspired? Because obviously that's a huge huge thing to come off the back of, you know, like this – global six-year trip and then you've developed these I guess well maybe I'm answering the question for you how do you yeah I'm, I'm gonna go again with that <laughs> you so do, how, yeah, yeah fuck it I've got this it's like you it's like you interviewing yourself and uh finders keepers <laughs> actually Frank we'll, I'll just, we'll leave it we'll leave it there I think I've got the rest of the questions nailed I got um, the rest yeah yeah, yeah. so Frankie how Tell do me you Dan where is my inspiration coming from <laughs> um next vehicle naming (laughs) project uh so frankie how do you get and stay inspired that's a great question so i'm a massive fan of the four hour work week by tim ferris i read it in 2010 when i was at frost and it pretty much sparked everything my parents are both self-employed so i've never been like i remember going on holiday as kids with another family and um their dad couldn't come and i was like why is your dad not coming and they were like he doesn't have any holiday left and i was like what? What does that mean? And they were like, oh, you get a certain amount of holiday every year. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was completely mind blown because I grew up like, jump in the car, let's go camping, let's jump over to France. Like, you know, just like little road trips that when you're in Europe, it's like kind of normal, but here France sounds pretty fancy. But like, I grew up with that environment. So I just... Like I never had like a normal, I've only had one normal job in my life. My goal in life is to be made redundant because I just think that's awesome. It's like, <laughs> here's your freedom and loads of money. I'm like, amazing. <laughs> but I don't really care about job security. Like I just love my freedom so much and being my own boss. So reading the four hour work week in 2010 really changed my life. And it's less about working four hours a week and it's more about deliberately how do you want to spend your time on this planet And my whole thing is I want to help people and I want to be in the design industry. And he talks about like, how do you design your life? Like, how do you actually do that? And the whole thing, it's not about happiness and like what makes you happy. It's because happiness and sadness are two sides of the same coin. Like you can cry of happiness and sadness and they're very related. But I think what we want to avoid isn't sadness, it's boredom. And so the opposite of boredom is actually excitement. So the way I stay inspired is chasing excitement. So like like I was saying about the project, if you offered me an amazing project and it was zero dollars, but I was so excited about it, I would 100% do it. Like that's how I want to spend my time. And I think we care too much about money and not enough about time. And that's why if you gave me a million dollars for a project I was not interested in, that's such a waste of my time. So you couldn't pay me enough money. So the way I say inspired, it's less about inspiration and blogs and 
am more about designing my life and chasing what I find exciting. But a really good way to do this, and this is going to sound super weird, but if you go on Instagram <laughs> and you see someone and you get that real pang of jealousy, you're like, oh, I wish I'd done that. Or like I used to get it with like tiny houses and cabins and road <laughs> trips and like good design work and families and like, you know, this beautiful you've got like this smorgasbord of like what you actually want in the world. And that jealousy reaction is just like igniting. That's what you want. So then you just add that to your goals and then you go and do that. And then you're not jealous of it anymore. It's so easy. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so yeah. So that's how I get inspired. I think about what excites me. That's cool. And you've said there before, or you've said there like time, obviously your time is um, very important to you and being able to have control over that. And it's something you said before, you know, Frankie Fridays. Is that something that you still use today or use these days? I try to. It's definitely diluted, but I'm a lot kinder to myself. I think when you're a designer and you're sitting down, you have a block. The more you try and push through it, the worse it gets. And the best you can do is kind of just take the day off and go for a walk and see some nature and not push against it because the next day it will just flow naturally and you'll work eight times faster so frankie fridays is just more about an attitude i would yeah. say so my friend henry in bondi um, made it up in 2010 i remember lying on the beach in bondi and he was running some remote project where his phone would work ring all the time but that's all he had to do is just answer his phone and answer questions and they just made millions of dollars every month wow and uh he's like frankie friday let's go for a surf and i was like yes i love that so i've kind of just kept it since then but yeah i'd say more of a state of mind and you said like being kinder to yourself what are some things that you do around self-care and mental health Mm, that's a good call. I'm not very good at this, actually. I'm very unbalanced. I'm not sure if you can tell. <laughs> I'm like 100% on nothing. And I, like my house is like, I'm not very good at exercising. I have to like find an exercise buddy to do exercise. I'm also not very good at cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, isolation's been really good for me. I'm like really like pushing myself. But self-care, yeah, I would say I'm getting better in this space, but I'm not amazing. I think it's about joy and just keeping your life topped up with joy. And so things that bring me joy are not wearing shoes, jumping on my bike and just cycling around the block, going to the beach, having the sun on my skin, reading a book, like little, little things that are so easy to do that just like fill my tank back up. So I'm like happy. Also calling a friend. I think like I've had depression twice in my life and, um, I was really overwhelmed. I used to think depression was like, you were sad. And I'm like, don't be sad, be happy. <laughs> why why <laughs> are they great so advice. sad? Yeah. yeah. And I never, I just really didn't get it. And then I got it, yeah, 2008, I had it really badly. And 2016, I went through a really big breakup. And um, I'd say both times was like really bad. And it felt like I was like sitting at the bottom of a swimming pool. And the um, surface of the water was normality. And there's no way I could get to that. Like it was so much weight on top of me. And I think the way I got out of that was just like goal setting. So the first time I just, I kind of set this goal of a trip in eight months time, like a really big trip. And I just worked towards that. And that kind of gave me something to focus on. So it's, it doesn't feel like the tunnel is just like a dark hole. There's like a tiny pinprick of light and then just getting closer to that, the light got bigger. So I think, yeah, goal setting, but I totally appreciate it so gnarly. And I've been getting anxiety as well this year, which again, I've never had. And I'm, yeah, I don't really know the, how to fix that either, but um, <laughs> I just try and do things that bring you joy because I feel like that is like the sunshine in your life to get rid of everything else. And even if it's just like the tiniest bit, it makes such a difference. So I'm not yeah. sure if that helps. Yeah, no, that's Did that cool. answer the question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, Frankie, something you've brought up a few times now is your love of reading. What are some of your favorite books? Oh, my God. Favorite question, Dad. <laughs> okay, favorite books. I just did it's pretty um, general, a talk but, uh, the other yeah. day. So, it was 2014. I'd just done this business course and I realized that I, do, didn't, I knew nothing about business. And so, I decided to read a book a week on business, so 52 that year. And then after that, I just kept going. So I've been doing that for, this is the seventh year. So I've read like 320 books in the last wow. seven years. And it's awesome. Like I love reading so much. Like you don't have to charge a book. It doesn't have notifications. It doesn't <laughs> run out of battery. 
No one can contact you on it. My absolute favorite thing is, is to like, I say it's a Sunday and I've got the whole day is like get snacks, get a hammock, set up camp and just not move for like 10 hours. That's and great. just I can read a 600 page book in 10 hours. Wow. Like I can finish that off for sure. Yeah, it's like it's so enjoyable. So yeah, I love reading. My favorite books would be Ooh, that's hard. I just yeah, I gave a talk a few weeks ago and I did my top six books on lifestyle design because I always get asked that and top six books on money. So lifestyle design, this is off the top of my head, I can't actually remember, was Four Hour Work Week. The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. So good. So good. It's about getting permission to do your life. And actually, I reread it this year. And um, I looked back through my hashtag because I document every book I read on Instagram. And I looked at when I read it last time. And I read it the week before I bought my shack in Tassie. And before I started the New Zealand trip. And before I went around America. And before. And like I it had such an impact on my thinking and it was so great to look at the exact date when I read it and things changed. So that's what I love so much about reading. Other lifestyle ones, The Multi-Hyphen Method by Emma Gannon. So good. Almost second to Tim Ferriss. I think it talks about like how we live and work with the internet in 2018. So it's less about having like an impressive job title. Like I'm a lawyer and people go, oh, cool, you're a lawyer. And like they have something to talk about at a dinner party. It's more about your personal relationship with the world and how you earn money through those things. So you could be a mechanic, a primary school teacher and a cake maker. <laughs> and so, you know, your full-time job is like you're a teacher. And then like Saturdays you volunteer at the mechanic shop because you're super interested in cars. And you also have this side hustle baking wedding cakes for your friends. And like, that's okay. That's great because all of those things fill your soul and bring you joy and you can earn money from them. And it's like, I think it's a much better way at looking the world than like, you have to get this proper job. It has to pay you this much money, blah, 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 blah. It's just too regulated. So yeah, I love that book. Other lifestyle design books. I can't remember what else was on there. Oh, You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. That one's just celebrating you and why you're amazing. <laughs> yes, Dan, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I've never heard about this book. <laughs> it's really good. It's got yeah, Dan yeah. in the title. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, the money books, I should have them in front of me. One is The Rules of Wealth by Richard Templar. Um, one of them is, so Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, his wife wrote a book about buying houses Kim Kiyosaki, and it's really good. It's from like the 80s. I found it in an op shop, and it actually, I've bought three properties based off that book. It's That's so awesome. good. It's basically a conversation with her friends. Like, uh, they're 50 and they have a reunion in Hawaii, and one's like a poor artist, and one of them, like, just lost her job, and one of them has, like, she's like, I don't know, mid level, like, manager, blah, blah, blah. and they've all got these jobs and lives, and she talks through, like, how to buy property for all of them. And it's really good. It's surprisingly good. Like based on the cover, terrible. Yeah. (laughs) And what are the other ones? You're a badass is a money one. So you're a badass about money. I can't remember the other one. Sorry. That's all right. You can send the list and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Sounds good. Do you read fiction as well or just? Yeah. Yeah. I started reading fiction just to kind of give my brain a break. Yeah. Because I was getting a bit like if things were really stressful at work and then trying to read a book about business. I just yeah. didn't have the brain space to kind of take those learnings on. And I, I found I was just like reading and I wasn't absorbing any. So, And it kind of feels like work sometimes as well. And like when you're doing these like self-help books or, or business books, like I'm the same. I'll go through periods where I'll be really into it and re- listening to heaps or, or reading heaps and then be like, oh, no, I need like a complete escape from that sort of stuff. Yeah, your brain needs to. Yeah, it's almost like watching a movie, but you're reading it. No, but I love fiction because you switch off. Like when you're watching a yeah. movie, you just let the movie do its thing and you're just kind of like a vegetable watching it. And it's the same <laughs> with reading fiction. It feels like it kind of washes over you and you don't have to think. You just like ob- like just seeing what's happening. So I love that. So, I've, yeah, I definitely – I'm reading a book at the moment. I went to my friend's house because we're all in isolation. We got rained out on our run. And then we ended up at her house with her boyfriend. He's got loads of sick books. So I had a complete – freak out because the library shut at the moment and I don't want to keep buying books when I read them so quickly so I stole a load of his books so. oh great um yeah I'm reading a 
like trash. Well, it's not that trashy. It's about the war, actually, but it's fiction. So it's really nice to just have that break. And then I'm reading The Rules of Work, again, by Richard Templer. He's written like The Rules of Work, Business, Money, Love, blah, blah, blah. It's really good. You always see them at the airport, but I highly recommend them. They're really good. So, Frankie, thanks for being so generous with your time. One of the things we always like to ask is who is someone remarkable in your life that we should know or speak to? Ben Johnson yeah. in Brisbane. Yeah. He runs Joseph Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ben is really my idol in life. He's three months <laughs> older than me. And I said to him, I'm so glad that you're older than me, not younger than me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've always got three months to catch up with you, which I'll never catch. But yeah, Ben is one of those people that has like the biggest heart. And he just, every decision he makes is, feels like it's really based on like empathy and humans. But he's a very successful business person and he's really good at design. And I just, Yeah, I think he's just got his head screwed on right. And I think if we could all be more like Ben, then the world would be a great place. It's a pretty glowing endorsement. I'll have to chat to Ben. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And what's your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Bite off more than you can chew and chew like fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've really uh, embodied (laughs) that one with uh, some of the decisions and some of the risks and sort of leaps that you've taken. Yeah, because I think that like that excitement I was talking about comes through growth and living on the edge and really like pushing yourself. So taking like tiny risks where it's not really a risk, there's not really any growth either. So you might as well like go to town and do it properly. So yeah, I love that quote. Yeah. And finally, where can people learn more about you? Probably Instagram. I think my whole life is on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Frankie Ratford is my handle. Uh, And then the Design Kids is the Design Kids and Designers Bootcamp. So those are the three Instagram accounts. And then that feeds through to our websites and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Frankie. It was awesome to have you on. And yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Dan. Cheers. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discover Someone Remarkable. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your network. To support us, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. To learn more about us or the guests on this show, visit dsrb.com.au slash podcast. DSR Branding exists to inspire people to love what their work represents. We hope that this episode has inspired you to think differently.